Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey friends, Catherine here, and I want to invite you to join our Girls Gone Gravel Adventures team. Whether you're preparing for your first big bike trip, lining up at a starting line, or just learning to clip in for the first time, it's more fun with a community to cheer you on. This team is a non-competitive team focused on creating a supportive space for cyclists of all levels. We want to make it easy to find the resources you need. So here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a place to connect with like-minded cyclists. You're going to get opportunities to learn from experts like Kristen Legan, Scotty Lechuga, Laura DeCrescenzo, and more. And you're going to get discounts and early access to events and other fun things. So I hope you'll join us. Just check it out at girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. That's girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. Hope to see you there. Catherine, you beat me to it. I did. I was ready for today. You, you got to go. You got to get to the gym. I know. I know. I don't like working out at night and yeah. um, I'm, my schedule is not working out. So I have to go to the gym, but we're doing a heavy lifting series and I really want to like see what I can do in eight weeks with all my lifts. So today's oh, lifting. Awesome. So congrats on that. Keep us posted. I will. I, will. I don't, I didn't get to do my base lift last week. So I'll find out Okay, cool. where I am this That's week exciting. lift, but, but yeah, you've got a big week, big sugar week, big sugar week, sugar week. Let's It'll be over this. by the time this comes out. I know, by the time this comes out, I will be sleeping. So <laughs> I was like, we're not going to record a podcast next week. Cause big sugar. Oh. And then I'm going back to Canada next week. Um, so yeah, it's, <clears throat> it'll be good. It's gonna be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're going up to Canada. So not, I mean, next week, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're recording two podcasts this week, so there won't be no interruption in our podcast. Service. Yes. You, you will not even know we're gone. <laughs> Except for we just told everybody. <laughs> we're terrible uh, secret keepers. I know. Should we, we should rethink our careers. <laughs> Guess who's not going to hire us? The um, CIA. <laughs> the CIA. Well, there's probably lots of reasons, all the bodies. You know. um, <laughs> I don't know if your background check would make it. Yeah. My fingerprints would probably throw something off. Flag some things. Not really. It's not true. We're joking. What is it? So, yeah. Um, so I know, you know, with you wanting to get to the gym, we had a, we had an amazing guest on our show today. I know. And she had so much good stuff that you just shouldn't listen to us ramble. You should totally. Yeah. You should listen to her and, and, and got to give a shout out to, uh, Miss Scotty Lechuga for, oh my gosh, crushing some, some, uh, hopes and dreams of, of folks down in, um, Arkansas. So she won the overall, she, the Arkansas high country race, which is Mm -hmm. over a thousand miles and a bazillion feet of elevation game. I don't even know. She did a little bit of climbing. She did a lot of climbing and she was the she set the female solo FKT and was the first woman to win the event overall. Yeah. So queen yeah. of the high country, I think is what they, and I heard the weather was terrible. 
<laughs> so, it's, it's awful, but yeah. So hopefully it's not like that. Hopefully she had to ride through all the crap. So everybody coming down to Big Sugar has an amazing weekend. Oh, it looks like it's, well, I haven't looked at the weather. I'm not looking. I don't look. Okay. I won't look for you, but Scotty had an amazing adventure and we talked to another adventurer today. Um, actually planned Laura and Jess's adventure that they went on that we had a podcast about. Yep. A few weeks. The one and only Nicole Baker. Literally. She's like a one and only. So she is so rad. She's like, well, I'm not really a gravel cyclist, but I go on these adventures of a mountain bike by myself. Like I'll never, I don't race. (laughs) I'm like, you are amazing. And we need to learn everything from you. (laughs) Yep. So we get to, we, you guys, you guys get the benefit of hearing us talk with her today. Yeah. Lots of practical advice. If you're looking for solo adventures and lots of just like get out there and do it. I'm kind of um, before we go, I have to say your, your Bella is back there with her little paws crossed looking so super cute. She, <laughs> that is my, um, so that blanket is an uh, electric blanket that I got. Cause I'm always cold. It's an electric throw yeah. Guess who's been, and she's learned how to turn it on. Seriously. Yeah. That's cause the button. Cool. The so guess who uses the electric throw? Not me. Yep. Cause Bella. you see who has the couch. Yeah. Yeah. She yep. Okay. We'll go work out. You guys listen to, listen to Nicole and, uh, stay tuned for next week. <laughs> All right. Have fun at, uh, big sugar. Thank you. Christy. We have a new sponsor on the podcast. What? Joe J bars has come on as one of our sponsors. Shut up. Joe J bars are the best. I know we both got to try them after the founder of, of JoJ Bars, Jess Sarah, came on the podcast and she sent us a sample box. Which uh, one was your favorite? Uh, my favorite was lemon blueberry quinoa, which I was not expecting. How about yeah. you? Uh, mine was the pancakes and bacon. Which tastes just like pancakes and bacon. It tastes just like pancakes and bacon. So and it's good. great. It's great to use on the bike or if I'm running late or trying to get out the door for a ride, which usually I'm running late and trying to get out the door. Uh, <laughs> I just grab it and have breakfast on the way. Yep. They taste good. And you know, they're good for you too. Jess is a chef and an athlete, and she's not putting anything in her bars that she wouldn't put in her own body. Yeah. So they're all gluten-free. They don't use any artificial flavors or protein powders. It's all, uh, formulated just for you for training or riding or just any adventure that you've got going on. And knowing Jess, I bet she sent you a code. She did. So <laughs> listeners of the podcast can, can go to jojbars.com and use the coupon code GRAVELLOVE15. That's all lowercase, GRAVELLOVE15 for 15% off all your orders. Nice. I'm going to get some before we go on our next gravel trip. Agreed. Christy, have you ever been out riding and stopped at a sketchy gas station and been like, eh, I want to go in? but I don't know what to do with my really expensive, nice bike. Uh, yes, that always stinks. Those situations are never fun. I know. And especially if you're by yourself and there's nobody to stay outside and watch the bike for you. Yeah, exactly. You, like have to drive right by that nice cold Coca-Cola <laughs> or bag of potato chips. Well, I have a feeling we have a way to fix that. We do. We have a brand new podcast sponsor. Auto lock. Auto lock. <laughs> So Auto Lock is a company that creates these great locks. They're cinch locks. So they're small, lightweight, and easy to carry. And they all have combination lock codes. So you can put it in your bike bag. You could even just leave it strapped around your seat post. And Perfect. it just makes it easy to lock your bike to anything or even somebody else's bike. It's ideal for theft deterrent. Um, all the locks have Kevlar in them. So they're really hard to cut. And I think it's just great to have an option wherever you are to always have a lock with you. Yep. And the cool thing is, is they're giving all of our listen listeners a chance at 25% off. If you want to buy a cinch lock. Well, I think it's any of their locks on their website. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's even better. I know. Cause they also have that, um, you lock on there as nice. well. So if you need something more heavy duty, if you're riding around in a city, so you just go over to autodesignworks.com and you're going to get 25% off at checkout and free shipping. For U.S. customers only, if you use the code Girls Gone Gravel at checkout. Again, it's autodesignworks.com and 25% off with Girls Gone Gravel at checkout. Auto lock, hide it in your sock, take it around the block. 
Christy, are you chilly? I am. <laughs> it's that time of year. So time of year, you had to go get a sweatshirt. Before yeah. And I, I might go grab a stocking cap. Like I'm seriously so cold. Oh my gosh. How <laughs> cold is it? Was. It's not all right. It's not, it's not that cold. I'm just, you know, it's that, it's that temperature where it's cooling off outside and the house is holding the cold. I don't know. It's yeah. just, like if I went outside, I'd probably be warm. Yeah. But it's chilly in my house right now. So anyway, um, yeah. our listeners can't see it, but we have a first on our podcast. We do. We have somebody in a swing. Welcome, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> that swing is in your living room, right, Nicole? No, no, it's actually in the little sitting room up in my bedroom. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, we are joined by Nicole Baker, who is a bike adventurer and, um, yeah, is just getting into gravel and does all sorts of other stuff, but we're so excited to have you on the podcast, Nicole. I'm excited to be here. I feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg with Nicole. Like I, I start, I started and then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, like I'm just going to let her explain it because okay, okay. It's, this I'm going to like start rambling. It's going to be the <laughs> onion interview. We're going to back, myself. peel back all the layers of Nicole on this interview. <laughs> I'm so stoked. I'm excited that you're here, Nicole. So thanks. Thanks again for joining us. Well, tell us a little bit, just give us a little of your history in cycling, how you got into cycling and what kind of cycling you like to do and how you ended up dipping your toe in gravel this year. Yeah. Um, I started mountain biking when I was 21 and I'm now 36 and I started in Michigan and I was working in um, vascular surgery research um, with the University of Michigan at that time. And I was kind of going through a rough time in my life. I, um, I had lost my boyfriend to a pretty aggressive um, cancer. And I basically learned to mountain bike in that time frame. So it, it kind of served as this like healing mode in the middle of me doing this really pretty intense um, researching with the University of Michigan. And I started trail riding with mountain bike. And I think my first trail was the Potawatomi trail system in Pinckney, Michigan. Uh, And I just became totally addicted. I started racing that first year that I learned to mountain bike, because that's what you do in Michigan. If you want to meet other people to mountain bike, because it's just not as big as it is in the West. Um, like it is in Durango. So, um, I started racing and made a bunch of friends, decided that I absolutely wanted mountain biking to be more of a part of my life than it was. I had to drive basically an hour to go and ride trail. And, um, I would commute to work at the university of Michigan, but, uh, eventually made my way to Durango, Colorado, um, switched career paths a bit, um, moved into anatomic pathology which is, um, cancer diagnostics. Um, so my career shifted and then my, um, interest in mountain biking changed. Um, I no longer wanted to race because I don't think I ever really enjoyed racing. It was just what you did in Michigan. And so I got more into, um, adventure riding and kind of getting out of my comfort zone and just kind of putting together really big, weird routes that I, didn't necessarily know if I'd be able to complete in a day. So I started kind of mixing bike packing and just like really preparing to get myself into hairy situations. And, um, yeah, I, I've been mountain biking in an adventure capacity for the last, uh, seven years. And then this past year, um, I guess it was a year and a half ago, I started dating, um, Payson, who is um, very big into gravel riding. And um, I decided this past year that I would do some traveling with him in the winter. And to do that, he said I should probably get some sort of a drop bar bike because um, there's not a ton of mountain biking in the places that he does his um, training. So um, got a drop bar bike and have been enjoying learning gravel in the process. And yeah, that's kind of how I really, really fast explanation of, uh, getting to Durango, Colorado, kind of dipping my toes into gravel. (laughs) How does the cycling complement or coincide with your, with your work life? 
Um, it, it strangely is so integrated with my work life just because um, in Durango, we have such um, amazing trail systems that I can literally ride my bike. Um, well, I'm a little bit outside of town now, but I used to be able to commute 100% on single track from my house to the hospital. There's a trail that like just ends right at the orthopedic section of our hospital, which is really amazing. And now I'm about 20 minutes, 20 miles outside of um, Durango, but I can take, you know, there's two different roads that I can take to a trail system and then same way, um, take single track right to work. So um, a lot of the year I'm commuting three or four times a week um, to get to the hospital and my job can be pretty stressful. Um, it's can be very quiet. And then, um, there's days that, you know, I'm dealing with surgical, um, emergency cases, you know, maybe four or five hours and, um, it's cancer. So it's, uh, you know, pretty, the stakes are high with my job. And I feel like having this super free activity that I love so much, um, starting my day and ending my day in that way. Um, my, I feel like my brain is firing um, better and more openly when I go into work. And then when I'm out of work, um, all of that stress just melts away by the time I get home. So it's been this really complementary um, system where one without the other would not be um, as fulfilling. And I'm really glad that I have the two because I love my job and I also need the release from my job um, to be happy also. It's awesome. <clears throat> it's cool to see a city put that kind of emphasis on trail structure so that it can become an integral part of people's lives for sure. Yeah. There's hundreds, there's, there's over a hundred miles of single track in the city proper Durango. So like just town trails, not including our high country, not including um, getting out towards like Silverton or like our closer mountain um, communities. It's just like in our town. And we have a really amazing trail organization, uh, Durango Trails, that uh, dedicates a lot of time and energy to keeping the trails pristine. And um, yeah, I feel really, really fortunate to have landed in Durango. That's awesome. Yeah. How do you, how do you work these adventures in with such a big job? Um, so my job is typically pretty, um, standard. Like I go in around, um, eight or nine and I'm leaving around four or five. And so I will, um, plan adventures. I'm like a, a weekend warrior to the extreme. So like I'll get out of, there's been a couple of bike packing trips that I've done where I take maybe one day off. Maybe I'll take like a Wednesday off. And then I take, you know, I get out of work Tuesday night and go, you know, for a bikepacking adventure and end back at work, um, on Thursday. So, um, even though that's a short window, that's kind of a lot of hours to be on your bike. So it's, uh, I feel like being a weekend warrior or, you know, just kind of trying to efficiently plan your time off so that you can be out for big days, um, has allowed me to, to, to do that. So that's been nice. What would you say? Cause we, we've talked to a couple of different people that have done route planning. Um, and when you're, when you're planning these bigger adventures, I'm sure it's even, even a bit more detailed, but what would you say are like your top three or four things that, you know, that, like that you need to make sure you're taking into consideration and, and planning for when you're taking, when you're doing some sort of, some of these adventures. Um, for me, I, well, one, the weather, <laughs> um, need to make sure that you're not, um, going to be in a big block of storms. And in the Durango area, I feel like our weather is pretty, well, this past year has been a little different, but usually pretty predictable. Um, storms at a certain time of the day and you're, um, you know, there's not like huge chunks of time where you'd be in a storm. But for me, I have the luxury of, you know, I don't have, if I'm planning on a weekend and the weekend looks like it's going to be, um, too stormy to be in the super high country. Um, I have the luxury of planning, you know, for the next weekend. Um, so I definitely pay attention to the weather. Um, I like to plan a lot of my adventures around, um, mountain towns that I want to visit in the middle. So, um, 
for instance, being in Durango, um, making a trip to Telluride overnight, um, riding from Durango is really easy as the crow flies. It's, you know, 30 miles away, uh, but it can take two hours of driving to get over the mountain passes to drive there. So you, um, a lot of times I'll be like, okay, I want to spend a night in Telluride, um, camp in Telluride, and then maybe go for, go through Ofer. So I'll plan kind of my hubs where I'm going to refuel slash maybe have a destination that I want to go check out. Like I usually do like a fun lunch or something, um, in one of the mountain towns that I would be staying in. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of plan the towns that I want to go through and then try to creatively connect them. And that's like the fun part and where you're looking at topo maps and you're looking at, you know, roads that may or may not be rideable. Um, <laughs> that's been, uh, I feel like I rely on CalTopo a lot, um, which is just a mapping um, website. And um, yeah, I just kind of, I have a different take than probably a lot of people have for adventuring. And that is just that I overpack to the extreme where I'm not, um, I'm not super, I don't want to say that I'm not detail oriented because I am, but I'm not um, trying to plan for as little things that I can take, you know, I'm, I basically pack everything for any scenario and then I just kind of go for it. Um, and try to be as prepared as I can with food and, um, know that whatever weather hits me or whatever, um, mechanical issue comes about, I'm, I'm usually equipped to handle it. And you, were you doing some of these event like adventures solo before you met Payson or do you still go out on solo adventures or have you always been going out with friends? Like how, how have you been doing things? Um, I've done a lot of adventuring on my own. Um, most of it actually, um, and then I have a couple friends that I can talk into. I, I feel I, I can't even really convince Payson to go out on a lot of these rides because he doesn't like to walk his bike. And when you're truly exploring an area that you don't honestly know like how rideable the road is. I mean, I've had days where I'm walking my bike six hours because I misplant, like I didn't realize how nasty a road or a pass would be and you know I've got bike packing gear and I'm like hiking my bike on my back and I've, most of my friends aren't super keen on that so a lot of my <laughs> adventures have been on my own um and then I've got a couple of fun friends that I um that I can convince like they mentally prepare for uh <laughs> us to just be in the mountains but I don't know I I feel like I'm I'm looking at the adventuring differently than, um, a racer probably is seeing an adventure because I'm not, my goal is not, all right, I want to ride hard for, you know, seven to eight hours. Um, it's just, I want to be outside all day and I want to check out a new area and I, that's the goal. So if I go out with a big chunk of time, um, you know, there's no other objective other than enjoying the mountains and, I, um, I kind of like to be surprised by mm -hmm. a road that's going uh, <laughs> to have more challenges than I, than I would have expected. And um, that's just kind of part of the allure for me. So how did that, I mean, I, I followed um, you and Payson and Lael and Rue's adventures through Iceland that looked, <laughs> sorry, it looked freaking miserable. <laughs> like, I'm so I'm like, I'm showing these to my husband and he's like, yeah, no, I'm like, I know, like, I don't know. I don't think there's a bone in my body that would want to do that. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm up for the big, like the big stuff, but that looks just cold and hard. And then you're with Lale and Payson. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Ruth, let's go take pictures. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was a treat of a lifetime, to be honest. Um, I I had a lot of fun, and it was my first time ever doing any type of touring on a gravel bike, and it um, it surprised me in a lot of ways, and it was more difficult than I thought it was going to be in a lot of ways, and 
some of my strategies that I, I thought I was going to be able to take some of my backcountry mountain bike strategies and apply them in Iceland. Um, and that's not necessarily how it, how gravel riding works. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to riding by myself. This is kind of one of my first adventures ever being with people. Um, and definitely with people in, in the way of like trying to draft. And so I had told Payson, I think what convinced me that I wasn't completely out of my league with Iceland, um, because obviously Lael and Payson and Chris are all on this, you know, they're all, and, and Rue, Rue is an amazing athlete as well. Right. Um, all these um, wonderful athletes that have a lot of experience in gravel. And I know that I'm not that. And I told Payson, I was like, well, you know, I'll hold on as long as I can. And then I'll just ride by myself because that's what I love. Like <laughs> I'm going to want to ride by myself. And then I started experiencing the wind. And when you're in the wind on your own, um, it's just a totally different beast than riding it on a mountain bike on your own. Um, so it was almost like some of the bigger days, if I didn't have people to ride with, it might, it would have taken me like our biggest day probably would have taken me another four hours to finish the ride, if not longer. And, um, it, uh, so my strategies weren't, <laughs> I had an unrealistic expectation of what, um, <laughs> of what that trip was going to look like, but you know, everyone was super welcoming. They all knew there was nobody came on the trip thinking that I was like this professional gravel athlete and that we were going to be shredding the whole time. Um, they all knew that I was pretty new to the sport. And that was, you know, kind of some of the reason that, um, that Chris was super open to having me come along because it was, it was a tourism project. It was mm -hmm. trying to influence people to come and check out the West Yards in Iceland and, um, how he was thinking that it would be more inviting to have somebody that's not a Lil Wilcox or not Lil. <laughs> uh, going out there to, to give, um, to give oh. another perspective. And, um, no, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm like, you're a badass in and of your own accord. Maybe, you know, maybe not necessarily like I, like it didn't work for me. <laughs> so I'm like, is there any footage that you can <laughs> like, oh, filing God. pictures? Just well, about I want to go to Iceland. Like I, I want to go to Iceland. It looks just absolutely amazing. But, and I love riding my bike anywhere and everywhere, but that one, I'm like, I, if it was a, I, I would take my bike, but if it was those kinds of days, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go hike this or explore yeah. it in a, in a car. Like I don't, that type of suffering. I don't know if I'd warm back up from it for like two weeks. <laughs> it looked so cold. I think that is like kind of an amazing part of Iceland is I think you could plan you can plan the trip that we did and not need to bike every day and yeah. you could fly by the seat of your pants and, and change and maybe drive. And I mean, it's so beautiful that whether you're in a car or on your bike or hiking or whatever, it's just breathtaking. Um, I think, yeah, Payson, Payson is obsessed. He like, <laughs> it's like his favorite place he's ever been. He's like, oh my gosh, we're going to go back every single year. I'm like, oh, uh. <laughs> maybe there's other places. <laughs> we, <laughs> it was yeah, no. really harsh, really harsh. Um, I think, yeah, just like battling the wind. I felt like the wind was more challenging than the cold or the rain. It was just like this constant loud thrashing in your ears and just like, you know, for me, it was terrifying. Anytime a car would pass us and would break the wind, I felt like I was going to boomerang into the, um, into the road. Oh like you know, it was cool. definitely, I thought it was more scary than, you know, doing a technical really gnarly descent on my mountain bike that I feel more in control of than yeah. just like hoping that I wasn't going to get knocked off the road. It's but hard it to, pay, really to like enjoy and pay attention to the beautiful things around you when the wind's that bad. Cause you have to focus so hard on not <laughs> blowing off the road. And you're like, if I move my body an inch, I'm going to mess up the whole aerodynamics 
of I'm I barely was hanging so on. sick of looking at Payson's seat bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Iceland looking at Payson's ass. <laughs> not even, not even Payson's butt. It was just his pack, like his seat bag. Um, we had his bag for some reason. We were making fun of it, but it was just kind of always floppy. Like it, it had this like tail movement, and <laughs> I would get like almost just in a trance looking at his bag. And I'm like, I haven't even looked at Iceland because I'm oh. just like looking at it. And I've never looked at it like I'm, you know, I'm not paying attention to someone's tire trying not to hit the back of them. But, you know, it definitely, <laughs> there were times I'm like, I can't wait till I'm no longer looking at Payson's wagging bag. <laughs> wagging bag. That's amazing. And this was just a tourism trip. This was just to see Iceland and the possibilities that people and cyclists could do in Iceland, correct? Yeah, well, sort of. They're, the main objective is actually establishing a bikepacking route, um, so a touring route through the West Fjords, and it was called the West Fjords Way. And so we had a, a film crew following us, getting um, photos and videos to just kind of document what the West Fjords Way route looks like. And so you can see it, even though you just watched Payson's saddlebag the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The photos are amazing. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I was there. I barely remember that. I'm like, did I see that? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was the main objective was um, kind of establishing that bikepacking route. I would love, I want to go back a little bit. You're talking about you have done so many of your adventures solo. And I think there are probably a lot of women in our community that kind of would like to do that. And maybe they're a little afraid one of like just safety, but two, like being out there on my own, like what's it like to just be with myself? <laughs> Cause we're around people and just so much noise all the time. So do you have any advice or some things, even when you were first getting started that helped you feel safer or just even like overcome that fear of just getting out there and doing it by yourself? Yeah, I think one of the bigger, so my, I'd done a lot of um, like bikepacking trips on my own that were like one or, you know, sorry, two or three days. Um, but the first true adventure that I was really outside of my comfort zone um, that kind of pushed me to do some bigger things um, to prepare for was my first um, bike adventure that I had done in Uganda. And I did that it was a solo trip from Embrara, which is a medical school that I work at there that went basically to the border of the Congo. Um, and then basically trekked south to a place called Lake Vignone. Um, the route was like, I think just under 300 miles. And I was going to be doing it on my own and meeting translators and a car um, at checkpoints along this route. And I needed to get super comfortable with um, the GPS. Um, so in a lot of my earlier adventures, I was just using maps and like I'd use like a paper map and then I would use like um, trail forks or um, I think that's what I was using this trail forks before this trip. This was back in 2018, um, was that first trip to Uganda. So I, uh, I got an, in, uh, Garmin in reach and I knew like, there were a lot of things that I was concerned about, like if I get lost and I need to contact the driver, how am I going to tell them where I am when they don't have these, you know, super complex uh, GPA, you know, they're not going to have an inReach. Um, so how am I going to communicate with the driver to if something goes wrong? Um, and so I needed to be really dialed with the mapping systems. I needed to be really dialed with the communication aspect of the inReach. Um, and then I had a person, I had a friend uh, in Durango who my plan was, all right, if something happens, um, I'll drop a pin where I'm at to you and then you can call this driver. Um, and if they don't have service, then you can call the next checkpoint person. And eventually when they get there, they'll know where I'm at. So that was my plan. But in order to do that, I really needed to test the GPS 
system and kind of create some routes, um, see what some potential issues would be with creating a route and reading the map and communicating and learning how long those lags are just in case there was an issue. So a lot of my earlier adventures where I just kind of did some really obscure, <laughs> like just tried to get on Caltoco, create something and then have an adventure or explore to see if it, um, if it worked basically. Um, so I did some smaller adventures first in that way. And then once I got confident with the GPS system, I didn't really have a ton of time to like really, you know, I didn't have like a year to plan for this. I had like a couple months. So um, I just really tried to work myself through for that first adventure um, in Uganda, what, what could potentially go wrong on my bike and how do I prepare to, to fix those issues and how do I make myself because I think a lot of fear around adventuring by yourself is what happens what what if something happens that I'm not prepared for and then I'm just stranded out there or I'm lost and you know that feeling can make you um feel like you would panic but if you really work through what could go wrong and how do I prepare for that situation all of a sudden um, and then you introduce um, having a backup communication that's satellite. Um, it feels really comforting to know if something goes wrong, you can at least communicate through um, an issue. I remember the, <laughs> this is really nerdy, but the first time um, I had broken a derailleur hanger um, on, a, on an adventure ride in um, Durango and I was with some friends and I was like, dang it, I was like, <laughs> broke the derailleur hanger and I didn't bring a spare with me and what if this happened when I was on my own and um so I actually <laughs> this is so silly but um I bought a derailleur hanger for these adventures and then I actually had written some notes in my phone for if it <laughs> if it broke the things to remind myself to to keep myself calm in that scenario and I'm I like having you know step-by-step um, instructions. I no longer need that, but that first time that I, I started preparing for, I don't just want the things I want to know how to use them. And as it's, as soon as you feel like you're empowered in that way, the comfort just comes along with it. And, um, every adventure that I did on my own, uh, as things start to go wrong and you actually do work through them, all of a sudden you have all this confidence. And I think, um, I think just getting out and starting small and trying to work through those um, potential issues. Um, I think, yeah, I've been rambling. Sorry for the rambles. Um. No, not at all. I'm just, I keep thinking, we've talked about inReach now a couple times. We need to get somebody from Garmin on inReach. I know, we need like, to do a workshop. Yeah, we need to do a workshop on, on the Garmin devices and or your navigation devices, whichever you want to say. But um, I think yeah. I, the inReach tool is- yes. A big tutorial on it. Say that again, sorry. Oh, I said I um I gave Jess and Laura a big tutorial on their inReach. Um, Laura had not used her inReach before. And so um, we spent a bunch of time going over it and making sure that they felt comfortable. They're, they're just a good safety network, especially if you know how to use it. If you don't know how to use it, it's probably not a good safety network <laughs> or safety Absolutely. net, but um, yeah, anyway. That's a, that's a whole other episode. Right. Make that a note. podcast. <laughs> I've got notes. Okay. Mine, I do too, but now. <laughs> I think we've, we covered, well, we, I mean, we've covered so much. Like I, it's crazy because it's like talking to you, Nicole, there's, I, I didn't get, I didn't start following you on socials until, um, you started dating Payson, which is somewhat sad because it's like it had nothing to do with you dating Payson. I was like, who this chick's cool? Like she does all these really rad adventures. And then just like your your life has been so big and and so um full of like these amazing adventures that like I'm almost not even sure where to like all the questions we could ask. This could go on forever. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it's it it was fun. It was fun watching you push Payson because I definitely think that you did in 
in his adventures and the way he rode his bike. Um, I think he pushed you too, but I think you pushed him more. <laughs> but, and maybe that's because the way Payson rides is much more similar to what I'm familiar with. So, um, uh, but you know, it's, 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 it's cool to have you on here. And I thought, uh, when we got to talk with, to Laura and Jess, um, how did you kind of help them piece that thing together? Um, that was a really fun trip to plan just because of the fitness level of those two girls. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Laura had reached out and said, I, I think she wanted just generic, like adventure advice at, at first, or if I had any ideas of, um, of a place that they, um, should think about checking out, like they wanted to do a mountain bike adventure. And I, um, I've done a lot of exploring in Southwest Colorado, um, and not a ton, um, elsewhere in the U S and I can think of, a, I mean, I took them on a pretty amazing adventure, but I know this area so well that I could have done, we could have done like eight days. Um, just there's endless possibilities. So I had suggested that maybe they come out to this neck of the woods and they seemed both really excited about it. And to my surprise, they really trusted me to like completely put together this itinerary. And I, um, I talked to Payson cause it's just like, you know, some of the days that I sent them on, there are days that I would do, but I would not send most people on just because they're, they're huge. They're really, really big days. And Payson's like, they're super fit. And, <laughs> and then I started um, following Laura on Strava and I saw that she, you know, she was putting down hundred mile days um, on her mountain bike. And I just felt really confident. And they both told me that they wanted to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And so it was funny when I put together the days, I was like, these are really big. And they had seen the days. And I remember um, Laura kind of walking me through her thought process, which was like, wow, this day's only, you know, 55 miles. Like <laughs> you're like, it's going to take wrong. me long. <laughs> yeah. well, they did a podcast episode talking about how wrong they were. <laughs> well, it was funny because I was scared that it wasn't going to be enough. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these girls are, you know, they're like, hopefully they have fun. Hopefully they think that this is challenging. Um, and I'm, I'm really, they, it seems like they had, I know that they had an amazing time and I know that they were challenged and kind of dealing with some of the hypoxia issues, you know, when you, when you don't have as much, as much oxygen, um, everything is more difficult things that you should be able to ride your walking. And then you take in this whole other, um, variable, which is the weather. And you just realize that you're in control of a lot of things. You're in control of your fitness and you're in control of, um, what you pack, but there's a whole lot that you're not in control of. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fun being a witness to kind of Laura and Jess experiencing, you know, just coming to terms with that, like, Oh, like this is like, anything can happen out here. And, and then it's just us and we're out in the wild and on this really, I mean, some of the days were huge. <laughs> they were so big, um, but they did it. They got through it. And it's, it's, it was really impressive and really fun to be a part of. I was just, I was disappointed that they didn't go to the El Moro Tavern. And yeah. <laughs> like, I don't remember what it was, but you, I don't know when you posted that, but I started following their page. And I was like, I'm going to go to Durango just to go to the, to the El Moro Tavern. <laughs> the tavern to meet whoever I, yeah I was like I had to ask Laura and just like did you go to El Moro Tavern and they're like oh god we didn't have time and I was like what go back <laughs> they'll be back I know it <laughs> yeah. that's amazing they were so tired that I had left them this cooler in the back of my car because I I left my car at the finish point of their ride I didn't think that they would enjoy pedaling the 1700 feet up to my house um after finishing it was very nice of you <laughs> so 
I had put like some rosé and like just some like treats in this cooler in the back of my car and I left a card on top of the cooler for them and they were so tired that they opened the back of the car saw the cooler and were like oh Nicole left your cooler in here and they just like threw their packs <laughs> into the back oh! of the car <laughs> and they didn't know that the cooler was for them um so they had like missed like my very strict instructions that they needed to drink the rosé and the tree net at the house but um but they did have a really great time and eventually they uh they figured it out they found the rosé <laughs> yeah. well, I was gonna say I think you if you ever need another career we've got a path you can follow here <laughs> <laughs> I had so much fun I planning I it you yeah. better watch out you might start having a bunch of people mess it so Nicole wins my start charging for that <laughs> well it was just fun because like I, I got this really intimate um, experience with them because they'd finished the ride and they were like the first day, uh, Laura sent me a message and she's like, I think we're going to need to revisit the routes for day three and four. <laughs> she's like, I don't think we're going to be able to do those days. And so we were creating um, these alternate routes. And I was just telling them like day one, I knew would be one of the hardest days. It's the most mm -hmm. primitive of the days um, the most amount of climbing of the days. It starts out with this 4,000 foot climb up, um, up Stony Pass. And I was just trying to tell them, like, I know that you girls can do this and I know that you'll enjoy it, but kind of getting their take. And they were so funny. They were so funny about just, uh, all the different little things that they experienced that it just, I felt like I was with them. So it was fun. That's awesome. Love it. Well, um, we've taken a lot of your time, but before you go, cause we don't have, and I know this isn't, you're, you're not an emergency room. You don't work in the emergency, but I do want to get your tips for what we should be carrying on any of our bike adventures, as far as supplies, if something happens, since you do work in the medical field. Oh boy. Um, I've also heard you talk about it before and it sounds really smart what you pack. <laughs> okay. Um, are we talking for, um, like backcountry mountain biking or let's just, well, I'd say most of our people are probably doing like, even if they're doing longer gravel rides, you're still get pretty, get pretty remote and might not have cell service when you're yeah. out trainings, um, or riding something. So like, if you were going out and you knew, like, I'm going to maybe end up without cell service or a little bit remote for a while, what would you take? Um, and, and for one day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They can um, message you if they want to know what you take for the, all the days. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like I, I can get kind of overwhelming with that because, um, a lot of my big days, like I've had big days that I've planned that I haven't been able to complete in one day. <laughs> and I end up sleeping out on like, uh, the, the highway or like some random place. And, um, so it, we're going like back home possible. at night. We'll just assume that everybody's okay. Everybody's going back home. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, well, for me, the, I always bring a pretty, um, robust first aid kit. And so, um, so if you do crash and have, um, and with gravel, I'm, I'm learning that, um, if you do crash, it's usually a bigger wound. Like <laughs> when you get road rash and trying to like navigate, I've had one instance of, um, some pretty significant abrasions, um, with a gravel crash. And I think, um, bringing, you don't necessarily have to do this, but I like bringing a syringe, um, because you can fill a, so if your syringe already has saline, great, but if you just have water, you can, um, you can end up putting water in your syringe, but the pressure of using a syringe, you can kind of flush out debris from a wound, which I think is really important to do right away before things start to get oozy. Um, so if you have a syringe to flush out a wound and then you have, um, the no stick pads, so you can get some pretty large pads that you can kind of cover an entire, um, wound if it's like a road rash type of scenario and then um you know tape to securely put it onto your body um i like to bring butterfly um bandages in case it's like a wound that is open um that you need to close um 
take it. I bring a suture kit with me. I have never sutured a body part on the trail. I would not advise that because um, if you actually need stitches, most likely you're gonna wanna, it needs to be clean better than what you're gonna do on the side of the trail. I bring suture kits for tires, not for bodies. Um, <laughs> but you can, um, with butterflies, you can at least close the wound and then put the no stick patch on and then tape over. Um, I, like to bring zip ties um, because I have broken off um, on more than one occasion, um, like a brake caliper or um, a shifter from crashing. And oh. zip ties can just be really handy um, for <laughs> trying to keep your bike together. Um, I like to bring um, just a normal multi-tool and then Gerber makes a really neat multi-tool that has pliers. Um, it has pliers and tweezers. Um, I've had to use tweezers to pull out cacti before. It's really handy to have so you're not like getting cactus in your fingers. Um, so I think having pliers and um, and anyways that Gerber multi-tool has a bunch of it has scissors on it also so you can like you could cut a pad to a certain length too. Um, I'm trying to think what else I take. Um, I think if you can take albuterol, um, like an inhaler, that's mm -hmm. a good thing um, to take because I don't think a lot of people know that they have asthma until they have an asthma attack. Um, and it's usually under stress and it can be super scary if you have. Um, an airway issue and you're out riding or an allergic reaction. Um, I always take Benadryl. Um, so I've always got Benadryl on a pack because you don't know till you know <laughs> what you're allergic and to. It stings you and you're like, oh, I was allergic to that. Now I'm in trouble. Um, so I think taking, um, yeah, Benadryl, sometimes I'll take ibuprofen, um, not not typically, um, a good first aid kit. I think what else is like a mandatory, I really like to take a, a water filter. Um, but that's because in, you know, at least Southwest Colorado, if I did run out of water, um, I, you can typically find a water source to filter water through. Um, Lael would tell you that, you know, she, she just drinks it. She just drinks it and she's fine. And I feel like it's been amazing hearing her stories. Cause I'm like, well, maybe, you know, if I get in that scenario, like I don't have to, you know, just get the water, you know, if you don't have a filter, it's okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, what other weird things I have in my pack. I could go grab my, <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a big kit with, uh, a of but, um, yeah, I think those are like great things and they're not, um, like a lot of times, especially we don't think about like first aid supplies when we go ride until you get out and you're like, Oh crap. I wish I would have had a few of those things that you can mostly just leave in your pack. Um, yeah, it always gets me at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Cause I've been riding on a trainer or something and you go out and I'm like, Oh, you know, I had a friend that wrecked really bad and we were out in the middle of nowhere and she can, you know, she's, she comes rolling up and like had split her whole, you know, side of her pinky open. And I'm yeah. like, I don't have anything to help you with. And she didn't either. We both were like kicking ourselves in the butt. Cause we for a spring ride. I'm like, shit. Yeah. So we had to wrap a t-shirt around it that I had in the pack and, yeah. and get out of there. But anyway, so yeah, it's good. It's good advice. And it's good to remember it. We should bring that up and Put that in your gravel high fives, Catherine. I will. Nicole's uh, Friday time. cleats, extra cleats. I've had cleats ah. um, on my shoe come off and that is miserable. <laughs> you... happened to me once, except for I did not have my multi-tool because I had been riding my trainer. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't put the, I put it back on with a stick, sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> it wasn't that impressive because it wasn't really on. I couldn't unclip the rest of the ride. <laughs> I was like, just keep going. Just don't stop. Don't stop. And there was no, like, there wasn't enough torque because it was loose. So you couldn't, I was like, how do I reroute myself to not go up any major hills? 
So that's fun. <laughs> well, Nicole, we'd love talking to you. We might have to have you back on to do a special like adventure. Just all the we, we're trying to do some of these. Ask me anything. So it's kind yeah. of ask me anything with people where they can ask you questions um, and get all your inside scoop. But uh, if people want to follow you on the socials, where should they find you? Um, uh, my Instagram is Nicole K Baker. Um, and my name has an H in it. It's N I C H O L E K Baker. And yeah, I feel like I try to do a pretty decent job of, um, of posting. And, um, I have a website for my, um, pathology work stuff, but that's not as uh, exciting and doesn't get as updated as much. So, (laughs) and that's pathoflogic.org. Um, but yeah, there there are probably people interested in that as well. I'm going to go check it out. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us and hearing about all of your amazing adventures. Yeah. Thanks for having me on ladies. I, um, I hope to see you guys. I feel like grab, I might be wrong, but I think there's no more big gravel races this year, but big sugar, big sugar. It'll be over by the time this comes out though. Payson is, um, is racing, uh, marathon nationals. The same. Oh, that's right. Big sugar. So you won't be there and I won't be at either, but, um, but hopefully I see you ladies at some races next year. Sounds awesome. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks. not that I, sorry, I need to go back. I will not be racing them. I will be, <laughs> I will be supporting you. If you see me at a race, I will be off to the side. You never um, know. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll see you at a winding up. You know, they've got those long, you could do like the XL where you just go for a long time. Yeah. I, I wanted to try to do that. I just, it's taken me a long time to learn. Um, I was having some like lower back issues and wrist issues that I've never had on my mountain bike. And I feel like I finally have some of that stuff dialed to where I could do the same type of long adventures that I do on a mountain bike. So we'll see that could be something that's fun or I'll just do them not in a race. (laughs) True. You could do that as well. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Nicole. All right. Have an awesome day. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and that are coming out in wellness. Like eat this, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah, know where to start. I, yeah. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you have you yes. done your setup? Yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is our new sponsor and they're going to cut through all the noise and they're going to analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. And then we get personalized science-backed trackable action plans for how we should eat, age, we need that, and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's The cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, And I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, And the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. Hey friends, we don't want chafing to keep you on the sideline from riding your bike. So we're bringing you some good news about chamois butter. Chamois butter has come on as one of the sponsors of the girls gone gravel podcast. They've been making chamois cream for over 30 years, and they've got tons of five-star reviews. So if you have ever been to your bike shop, you've probably seen that iconic purple and yellow tube. There are several different versions, including the original, the pH neutral, her, tingly Euro style, which I'm very intrigued by, (laughs) and coconut with certified organic ingredients. 
They've got a special for our Girls Gone Gravel listeners. You can head over to chamoisbutter.com and you get free shipping on any orders of two tubes or more. They also have really fun limited edition merch, which I've got their cool chamois butter sweatshirt. These things, I wear this sweatshirt all the time. It's one of my favorites to wear. It's very soft and very warm. I could say if you get any of their chamois butter gear, you will definitely stand out in a crowd. When we were at uh, an event a couple of years ago, a guy had a chamois butter kit on and everybody knew who he was. Like everybody was cheering for him. So if you want to stand out, go over, get your two tubes of chamois butter, get your free shipping, and then find some cool swag and merch. Yep. I think that sounds like a great idea. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.